you know, y'all, y'all get to do the journey with me every time I get to preach. And so, Mims is on the computer today, and so I gave her uh, my outline. I try different things every time, but it's literally how my brain operates. So if y'all could see it, you'd be like, oh, I see why sometimes he has a hard time completing the sentence sometimes. But uh, take a little survey here today. How many of you in the room wear glasses? Wow. Let me, let me rephrase. How many of you don't wear anything to help your vision? Raise your hand. There we are. Did you eat carrots when you were little? Because I didn't, and I don't have glasses either. I think somebody lied to me when I was a kid. But uh, uh, getting ready for this week, kind of tell you where God, uh, uh, you know, we had a great Easter, obviously celebrating the, the, the death and resurrection of, of Jesus last Sunday, and uh, uh, found out I was going to get to preach couple weeks ago and uh, uh, it'll be fun today because all week I've been in the book of Habakkuk and uh, but that's not where we're going to be we may finish up there today but about Thursday God took me in a different direction but it all stemmed from even getting in the book of Habakkuk it it stemmed from this Uh, another survey here how many of you somebody in your family maybe a close friend maybe uh, uh, a close friend's kids you know somebody that has just had a really hard time. We'll call it religion. I don't like that word, but just their view of Jesus, and they're just disgruntled. They're frustrated. I use the hashtag religion is a cult. They just, how many of you know somebody that is really struggling with their faith? Anybody? Because that is where I woke up uh, Monday, and really over the last few weeks, I just see more and more, you know, people. I'm amazed by this, but people have started sharing more of their feelings on social media. And I just come across, it just seems like every other person is just talking about how I tried this whole Jesus thing and it's, 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 just, it's just a bunch of pooey. And, and it just breaks my heart. And, and so, you know, studying the book of Habakkuk, that's kind of, you know, you find him at, you know, it starts off, uh, here I am already in Habakkuk, but it's in me, so you get a little bit of that. But Habakkuk is like, uh, God, do you not see what's going on around here? I mean, we can look in our country, we can look across our world and see all the injustice, all the things that are messed up, and we can find ourselves in the same place as Habakkuk. And, and, and you can learn a lot from Habakkuk. That's your homework today. Go read Habakkuk. It's three. It's, it's my kind of book. It's only got three chapters, but... Uh, but no, talking about 2020 vision, what, what I'm pulling all that down is, is, is people had, had lost their vision. They started getting some blurry vision. In fact, I was studying this week. Uh, uh, every time I get to preach, I always learn something because I don't want to look like a... Uh, believe it or not, people really critique what you say up here, which is good. It helps hold us accountable. And so I want to make sure... But I learned all about the eye test, the vision test. Uh, you know, you put, you put the eye test up, you're 20 feet away... And if you have 20-20 vision, it means at 20 feet, you see these things clearly. If you have 20-40 vision, it means that it's not that great. What most people can see at 40 feet, you can only see clearly at 20 feet. You know, and so vice versa, you know, animals have like 25 vision. So what we see clearly at at, uh, 5 feet, an eagle or something can see clearly at 20 feet. So it goes the other way. But if you have a vision of 2200, does anybody know what that is, what that means? It means you're legally blind. And uh, 
Peter talks about this, and, and I started doing a little deal. That's uh, We're going to be in a little bit of 2 Peter and 2 Timothy today. But if you flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going we're gonna to digest this in a little bit. But the end of uh, this first section, uh, starting in verse 8, it says this, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... Okay, he just kind of went through a list. We're going to finish up there today. Uh, but I want to I backtrack a little bit. But For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. If your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ... Um, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, if you don't have these qualities, he is nearsighted and blind. And so Peter was talking about this. And, 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 and uh, I just think so many people, you know, we talk about a childlike faith, right? Uh, you want to have, have a good conversation about faith and understanding who God is, go ask a child. Sometimes they have it pegged right on. This is who God is. It's kind of like when you get to a playground where well, my daddy can beat up your daddy. They, they, uh, uh, my God is a big God. Like they, my God is so big. You know, y'all know the Veggie Tales deal. Like that is who they are. And it's almost sometimes I find myself in my deep theological conversations with my son. Sometimes he he really has a great view of God. And I'm always sometimes I find myself well that's not well maybe that is how it is. You know we we get some blurred vision of who God is. Uh, based on life experiences, right? We struggle with what truth is because instead of seeing it through the lens of Scripture, we see it through the lens of our feelings sometimes, of our circumstances. Uh, you know, I had a guy one time that, that, that tried to define faith as this. Faith is believing the Bible is 100% true regardless of your emotions, regardless of your circumstances, and regardless of the cultural trend around you. And I think we can all probably elevate that definition of faith because it's so easy to get blurred vision when it comes to that depending on what you're going through. But Peter was trying to just, uh, he, 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 made mark, he made mention of it that, uh, hey, there's these qualities and if you're not focusing on these qualities, we're going to read those in a minute, but, but you can get legally blind. And just like you can be legally blind, you can be spiritually blind. You can lose, you know, uh, I pray for 20-20 vision when it comes to spiritual things and far too often I am blinded by my own circumstances and whatnot. And so um, if you'll flip over with me to Second uh, Timothy, um, give you a little backstory to Second Timothy. Obviously Paul and Timothy, Timothy was kind of his protege, a guy that he encouraged, a guy that he developed in the faith. Uh, uh, but I guess I knew this. I didn't really know it until I was studying it this week. But this is this is the last letter that Paul wrote. Like you can read it in here that he says, "Hey, I'm about to I'm about to be poured out like a drink offering." Like he knew his time was coming. His he had burned his candle at the at both ends. But he said he kept the faith. He'd ran his race. He'd fought the good fight. He and he and he is charging. He is talking to Timothy. He was giving him, you know, I was telling somebody this week, it's kind of like I heard a pastor one time uh, talking about kind of when Jesus died and he rose on the cross and then he spent a few little bit of time and then he ascended into heaven and we get the Great Commission coming out. It's like Jesus had spent all this time with his disciples on earth and teaching them all these things, so many things that uh, 
Jesus was getting ready to ascend, and he's like, he just, he just wrapped it in a bow and said, this is it. This is what matters. This is it. And so you kind of see uh, Paul telling Timothy, like, hey, all these things I tell you, they're good, they're good, but, but here's what I need you to know. You know, my time is coming, and I need you to do this. And so in, in 2 Timothy verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, we'll start there. It says, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is what I'm telling you. This is it. This is where the rubber meets the road, Timothy. All those things are good, but this is what I need you to do. He says this, number two, uh, verse two, he says, preach, preach the word, right? So, so in our understanding, preach and the word, you know, if I said, hey, preach, you go preach, right? We assume that that means you're going to preach the word. Not necessarily anymore, right? We live in a country that there's all kinds of stuff out there. So you, you, so you get Paul telling him to preach, which Paul is emphasizing the word because preaching and the word are the same things. And then he says, uh, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Right? That's preaching. That is the definition. So it's like preach, preach, give them the truth, give them the truth. And then in verse uh, 3, for a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Again, that's the word. That is true. Sound doctrine is, is true. And uh, just to make it a good lesson, right, I, was, uh, I always kind of look. But that word sound is where we actually get our word healthy, like hygiene. It is healthy. Good, true word of God, teaching and preaching from the Bible is healthy for you. It is good for, good for your soul. It's good for your body. But he says, they will not put up with sound do- doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say, uh, to say what their itching ears want them to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, which if you know anything about an evangelist, is a, a guy that is called to evangelize, rolls into town, rolls and fills a pulpit, and what does he tell you? He don't mix ands, if ands or buts, he tells you exactly what God says out of his word. And then he leaves town and lefts us to deal with it, right? People will stir up. But that is the work of an evangelist, to give you the truth. And that is so important that we get the truth. Now let's just, uh, let me finish this. But he says, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. And so let's talk about truth, right? It is hard to find what is true. Right, I could, I could, I could show you a thousand articles of what says what's going on in, in. Let's just take America today. This is what's happening in America, and we take it to the bank. You know, we find our guy, we find our news source, and we do it and we do it. And then you could come all the way over here, and something totally contradicts that. And I don't know if you find the struggle. Like, what is, what is truth? Like, how do we find what's really going on? You know, uh, I can remember being a little kid. When I first started learning how to read and growing up, and, you know, I think they still have them. I should have looked this week. But, you know, they'll have these crazy, what are they, the National Enquirer or whatever, these crazy magazines that I remember as a kid because everything that my parents said I thought was true. 
And then you start living a little bit and you realize, oh, well, that's what they said, but that's not really what they did, so what is truth? And, but there were some crazy headlines on the National Enquirer. I mean crazy. I, I should have pulled one because I bet it wouldn't have disappointed. But like, uh, there's always something. Somebody was an alien. Somebody, there's always some sort of aliens. There's always, uh, I did read something this week that somebody, uh, uh, some of you farmers in the room may be sitting on a gold mine, but they said that, uh, uh, I can't even believe I'm telling this, but uh, that cow urine, drinking cow urine actually helps with the coronavirus. So I don't know if somebody's really tested that or not, but people can just say it because probably nobody's drinking cow urine, and so you can just say what you want and you know, or you, maybe you've heard this, well, you believe in your truth, and I believe in my truth. Truth is relative to your perception, and, and that is a lie. And, 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 and so when you think about truth, the, the, the counterpart to truth, the, the, the other side of that is, is, is lies. And I don't know about you, but I feel like there's far more lies out in the world today than there is truth. And, and you know, uh, why is that? Well, because the enemy... Jesus said that we're going to be dealing with this enemy and he's the father of lies and the more lies that he can put out there, the more things that he can put in front of you, you know, you start getting that blurred vision. You don't really know what's going on and, and, and uh, you know, we have a saying at our house that if you just tell the truth, you only have to remember one story, right? Uh, but if you start lying, then you got to, oh, did I tell them that? You know, it, it's hard to keep up with. I'm not good at it. But it's the truth, and, and, and Paul is talking to Timothy, who he is charging him to, to, to help encourage, save people, the church. We're not talking about unbelievers, right? They're, they're blind, right? They don't have the truth, right? They can see with their physical eyes, but they don't, their heart, the eyes of their heart have not been opened up, and so they don't understand. But, it, but we as the church know what truth is, and we've got to lean on it. We've got to, we've got to understand that, and... And, and, and Timothy, I, I, I almost see him reading this letter to himself and just trying to receive this. And like, I know, like he knows all this is, is, is good. He knows it. But man, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard task, you know? And, and it's almost like when you read in this first few verses of chapter 4, how many of you have ever bought this lie from the enemy? This is the one that I buy into, so I'd be very transparent. It's like, you kind of... You can see somebody is, they really don't have the truth, like their perspective on the situation isn't a good perspective. And so you try to just give them just a little, just a little nugget of truth and they chew it up and spit it back at you and like, well, they're not ready to, you know, they're not ready to hear it. But what Paul is telling Timothy here is when there's people that, 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 that want to have their ears itch and there's people that, that, that kind of want to believe their feelings over what truth is, and it doesn't mean you have to like hit them over the head with the Bible, but you can't shy away from the truth because the truth is the only thing that's going to, right? What does the Bible say? The truth will set you. And so we, we, we buy into that lie that like, well, I'm going to give them a little time. I'm going to give them some space. And we really do. I bought into it that I think in, oh, next time I see them in a month down the road, they're going to be better off. And if they are better off, I promise you something has happened. Somebody, it may not have been you, somebody, something, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, somebody had given them truth that, that allowed them to redirect their thoughts. It wasn't just because they went by themselves and started believing the lies, I promise you. But, but, but that is a lie that I bought into, that, oh, they're just not ready to hear the truth. But that is our job. That is the work of the evangelist. That is what he is telling us. We have to give people truth. 
Well, what is truth? Right? It's a relative term. As believers, truth is the Word of God. Right? He talks about sound doctrine. Right? Uh, I was telling somebody this week that in church, in church culture, that word doctrine, it's almost kind of like the word literature. It, it doesn't necessarily feel like it brings life. Right? But it should be a good word because sound doctrine is the Word of God. Like we should, we should elevate that. I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm, not talking, I'm talking about the Word of God, sound doctrine. And what has the enemy done? He's taken doctrine and we've kind of veered left and we veered right and well, we don't really believe that and we don't really believe that. And, and all of a sudden now we have all these different denominations, and, and, and I tell people all the time, I don't think it offends much, so much anymore. You know, I, uh, I, I tell people I am an associate pastor that works at a Baptist church, and I think the Baptists have a great doctrine. I do, I do believe that. I, I think that, you know, do, are they perfect in it? I think that would be arrogant to say that we've got everything figured out, but overall it is good, right? There's other churches, overall it is good, but what have we seen over the last five years in different denominations? Right? They, they, they veered away from the truth and they started helping people with their feelings instead of, you know, it's all subjective to their feelings and not objective to the Word of God. Right? When I counsel people that are struggling with some things that God, there's no gray area, it's black and white, I always start with this, especially if they're a believer. If they're not a believer, I always just say, until you understand truth, I can't really help you. I'll love you through it, I'll, I'll pray for you. Oh, they roll their eyes sometimes. But that is it. But, but as believers, as people that, that are supposed to be founded by truth, like that is our identity, if they don't, if they don't recognize what, 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 what Paul says here, we're fixing to read it uh, in, in chapter 3. I'm just going to read it now. All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If they don't believe that statement right there, I really can't help them. Because at all, this is the foundation of who we are. This is the foundation of what we believe. And so a lot of times they'll be struggling with some issue and all the, all, what has happened is, is they've got away from truth. And they've surrounded themselves by a group of people or, or an atmosphere that isn't conducive to bringing forth life. And so we've got to get them back and say, I don't understand. There's times I've said, I don't understand why that is how it is. I get your feelings. God created your feelings, I do, but he also gave us his word and he says, this is what it is. And so if they don't believe that, then I really can't help them, but if they do believe that, we get back and then, I, you know, if God says, jumping on your left foot is bad, you know, don't jump on your left foot. I don't know why, there's probably, I, he doesn't just do things for busy work, there's always a purpose. One of my favorite guys, excuse me, Francis Chan, actually has a new book out, uh, I, I'm not a big reader, you know that. I, I, I listen to a lot of books, but I actually downloaded it uh, this week. Uh, 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 but about unity in the church. But Francis Chan, he, he uses the deal. He, he's, he's an Asian guy. He says, if God's word says it's good for Asians to stand on their head 15 minutes a day, I got to do it. I don't know why, but I'm going to do it. And he said, probably if I do do it, I'll find out. Studies will show that if you stand on your head, the blood flow, it helps heat. Like there's a reason to why he does everything. But you've got to understand the truth. And, and as, as believers, as, as people that, that, that profess that, right? So many times, we, it's, it's, especially if you're raised in church, you know all the one-liners and that's what we do. 
But do you do it? Right? Do you profess that truth? Do you know that truth? Because uh, here's what he says. This, this is some things that Paul tells Timothy that, that, that if Timothy's going to go through preaching the truth, guess what? We're probably going to go through too. And he says, you, however, know all about my teachings. Right? He was, I told you he was, he was Paul's protege. Right? He was a mentor. Paul was a mentor. He says, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, hmm, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me at, or in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Guess what? That's truth. So you want to know why you're going through some things? God told you you would go through things, right? And John, he tells you, right? In this world, you will have troubles, and then we find ourselves the first sign of bad danger. God doesn't love me. He lied to me. He's a, he's a liar. He's not. He loved us enough to tell us the truth, that this, this world is not our own. But he didn't come to, 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 to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law, right? He didn't come to, to, to destroy the world. He came to save the world. Like He tells us these things. But we put it in our view of whatever we're going through. But you will be circum, uh, persecuted while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know, uh, you know those from whom you learned it and how from in- infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to tell you all Scripture. All Scripture. What does all Scripture mean? It means all of this is good. Right? There is something. It's kind of like this. I told somebody. Uh, I, I saw this deal this week. Is, is, now we live in southwest Arkansas and there's some good shade tree mechanics in here. But how many of you, when you got your new car... New to you, if it ain't brand new, but you got a new car, the first thing you did that night was open up the glove box or the console and pull out the user manual and begin reading it from page one. I'm gonna just, I guess I'm going to take a lot of survey. Anybody ever do that, read it? Oh my. Some of you do, right? When do most of us turn open up that manual? You're looking for the fuse chart, right? And, and, and even somebody, some manufacturer got smart, hey, we'll just put it right on the inside of the panel That'll keep them having to look through that appendix E in the back of the book. But we go to the we go to the, the the manufacturer, right? God is our manufacturer. This is His book that lays out how He created this, how we were designed. This is what happens when this is going on. This is what happens when that's going on. Same thing that your user manual does. But we don't normally we don't normally get into it until we have a problem. And now we live in the world that back then, you know, years ago, you couldn't Google everything. Right now we just ask, hey, well, yeah, I think I saw this YouTube video on how to do that. And don't get me wrong, YouTube is a phenomenal thing. It's amazing what's on there. If you don't know what's on there, just walk into your teenage kids' rooms about two in the morning when they left the TV on, and they're watching five-minute crafts or weird things. They're watching machines just smash things, and it's and then you're like, and then you start turning your head this way, and you're like, there's so much weird stuff on YouTube. Why? Because Satan is, will do anything to keep us distracted from the truth. And so, flip back with me to 
Second Peter. We're going to read the first part of that deal uh, today. So, Mike, I got you. We could be walking around spiritually blind. We could have some blurred vision. You know, I'm not necessarily denouncing my faith, but I'm struggling with it. And far too often I found myself struggling with what situation I'm in. And this is one of the things that, that, that God revealed to me today. That sometimes I think we, we forget because we stay in this room sometimes. This is sometimes the only time we really get truth. Right? Because even when we read truth, if we don't read it the right way, we run it through the lens of our mind and not through the lens of God's heart. And we're like, okay, I'm going to, yeah, I see what you're, you know, yeah, I need that, you know, and really taking it for what it is. But so many times, so many times in here, uh, we talk about believing, and that is, that is part of your faith. You've got to believe. That's where it starts. But watch what he says here in the first part of Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power, His divine power has given us everything we need for life not just to not just to survive, but but life thrive right, life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through uh, through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Our world is terrible right now, you know? Have conversations all the time. We know it's, guess what? It's not going to get better, okay? Our world is not going to get better. That is, God's Word tells us that. It's going to get bad, okay? You thought this last year was bad and it was crazy. It, it, it probably ain't even a tip of the iceberg to what's coming. Now, that's not to scare you because those of us that are found in Christ Jesus have hope, Right? But watch what he says. He, he, by his divine power, he has given us everything we need for life. So here's what we got to do. So we talk about believing, right? You'll hear me say it probably here in just a minute. Those of you that have never really put your faith, faith and trust in Jesus, right? It's about believing, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and it says you shall be saved. That, that is believing. That is faith. Believing in things we can't see. That's where it starts. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So we start with this believing faith, right? It starts here in the faith. You've got to have it. That's where, that's where it all starts. You've got to have faith. But the way that Peter writes this, it's almost like it's the, it's the foot bone connected to the ankle bone, right? Y'all know the song. We, we could, if we need a half, half time, we can stand up and do it, right? But it's like, okay, you have faith, and now, now, now springing forth out of that is goodness. Well, what is goodness? That is just like your, your, what I say, this is what I say, your, mor- your, your morality compass, your moral compass is, is kind of back on track, right? Because it's amazing. You know, yeah, I'm not killing anybody, but it's amazing how, how you stay out of this long enough, your moral compass gets blurred. You get a little blurred vision on that. So, so you have this faith, and the Holy Spirit comes, and he dwells, and he begins to fix your your, 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 your vision. He starts going and the first thing he says, well, I've got to fix that, 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 that moral compass in your life. And so you get this uh, uh, goodness, right? It's just good. It's just, it's just good. It's just good. It's goodness. And then from goodness, what do you get? Knowledge, right? Knowledge is power. 
That's probably a true statement. What's your knowledge in? It's understanding who God is. Why? You know, He gives us so much history and understanding, and and and, and you get this knowledge. Well, what do you comes? You know, this isn't. This is, I think it's a Spider-Man quote. With comes great power, right? Knowledge is power. With great power comes great responsibility. And so, what do you do with this knowledge, right? Okay, God says jumping on your left foot is good for you. You got to start doing it, right? You have to do it. I've talked about this, right? So many times we just think we got to believe and, 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 and that is enough and that is enough for God to impart and here's what he says with his divine power. He gives us everything we need. It's in us, but we've got to activate it. We've talked about that here, right? You've got to start, okay, check your moral compass. Okay, now I've got my moral compass checked. Okay, now what's next? Okay, knowledge. How am I learning? What, what's going on? It's not just about opening my Bible and reading and feeling good that I checked the box. It's like, hey, God, what is God? Ooh, what did God do there? Right? It's, it's about knowledge that gets us to self-control, which is a big one. Right? That's a hard one for us, especially in America. We, we feed ourselves. Right? In fact, Second Peter just talked about at the end of the head that, that you become nearsighted. Right? Before you come blind, you come very nearsighted, which means all you do is focus on things around you, whatever pleases yourself. It's, it's, it's that kind of stuff. And so you have this self-control issue. But God gives us the power through faith into goodness, into knowledge, into self-control, and now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're doing some things, right? We're supplementing our faith, right? I, I don't work out anymore, but uh, maybe maybe next week, maybe. Now that everybody knows, right? Kimberly's been, been on me to work out. But I'm 40. I think at 40 you just let your body go at 40, right? Some of y'all may have, some of you may have, but uh, I, anyway... But you supplement, right? They, they, people go work out and then they take these vitamin supplements or this protein or whatever. They supplement it. Why? Because they're trying to build themselves up. We have to do that. We have to build ourselves up. And, and so we get self-control. And then what happens after? Okay. Self-control. What comes after that? Perseverance. Because we've all denied ourselves once, right? I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to, you know, I have a big insight about me is uh, I like it. Double stuffed Oreos and a big glass of milk. Like it's almost like I can't go to bed. It may it may be eleven o'clock. Like yeah, I think I think I might have a few Oreos. And and I my claim to fame is that uh, I do like the Oreos, but I really like the milk. But the Oreos make the milk taste better. So I'm trying to be healthy and drink my my, my milk. But there's times that I'm like uh, you know earlier this year we did the Daniel fast and and that's a lot of self control and perseverance and uh, people laughed at me. Some of my close friends are like, are you gonna give up those Oreos? And I did. And that first time was hard, but, but, but I learned to have self-control in one situation. And then you start to have self-control in the other situation. You start to persevere over those things, and that is the things that you supplement your faith because he is working, a, he, he is working out in us a good work, and, and, and we can go to perseverance and perseverance. Now what? Guess what? Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're starting to put on some godliness, you know? Christ was the specimen of what we should do. He had all these. He did all these things. He was an example for us. And so now we start putting on godliness, and it's in the name, right? You start looking, you know, you're not becoming a God. You're, becoming, you're starting to look like God. And you've done all these things just to start looking like God. And I think at this point, maybe people began to recognize there's something different in your life because you started doing these things. It wasn't because you had a faith and you just believed and you just, well... I'm going to go do whatever I need to do, right? You have to work at it. It is hard. You have to work at it. You know, Paul tells us you have to work through your own salvation. That's it. You've got to pump that iron. You've got to pump that perseverance. You've got to do it. 
And so then we get after godliness, uh, brotherly love, right? And I, I thought that was really weird because it goes from godliness, right? Now you're starting to have the mind and the heart of God. Like you are getting there. You, these things that he's put in us divinely, God has given them to you. And, now you, and so I always think about, why does it go from brotherly love and then what's after that? Love. Brotherly love, love. Because this is what happens. When you do all these things and now you start taking on the heart of God, it's hard to love everybody. I thought I might get an amen there. Right? We call them at our house, I call them sandpaper people. Y'all know them? They rub you and all of a sudden they polish you up really good, but they just keep rubbing you the wrong way. It's hard to love those people. It's not hard to love your brother, right? Sometimes it is. But ultimately, it's the guy that you would get in the ditch with. And, and so what, what God is saying, you do all these things, and then you get to this brotherly love, and the same love, you know, the willing to... Uh, how many of y'all got... My, my granddad used to call them foxhole buddies. Like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you got a flat tire, or you've done something really stupid if you're a man, and you gotta, you got to find somebody to come help you just talk through that situation, but they're coming. They're foxhole buddies. How many of you got a foxhole buddy? You need a foxhole buddy. Somebody that maybe not even judges, somebody that something bad happens, they'll just sit in the room with you, but their presence makes you feel loved. Like, yeah. So we start there with brotherly love, your foxhole buddy, but then God says as you work that, as you develop that, eventually you're going to be able to love everybody. It's going to, be, it's going to give you the ability to love somebody that, that hates you. Which is, which is a very hard thing, and it can only be done in and through Jesus. That is truth. All of that gets us to this truth, right? Because he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so it's not just about a little bit of that, a little bit of that. You're constantly increasing it, right? You're, you, you know, okay, I got this circle. Now I'm going to increase that circle. Like you, you're constantly, you can't just put it on autopilot. You constantly have to work it in and work it out. It's kind of like kneading bread. You got to work it in and work it out. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. So what Peter's saying here, if you don't have these qualities, you are ineffective, unfruitful. You're not doing anything. As I say, my term is you're just sucking air. And we weren't called to suck air. I promise you, right? In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, this is a powerful thing. If you do these things, you will never, let me say that again, you will never fail. That's a never. That's a never statement that Peter gives. You will never fail. And you will receive a rich welcome in, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now the other part of that, that that's very important. This is kind of where we're going to end. Not that you're not going to re re reap something, right? When you, when you are pleasing God, there's a certain something that just, you just know you're in right standing with God. And when something comes in to mess that up, you, you know it immediately, right? Look what he says here. He just gave me this. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord. Like sometimes our reward doesn't come on earth, and that is hard. That is hard. So I got this deal. 
I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I am. I hope I don't squeak. If I do, bug your ears. Uh, I don't need anybody. Josh is all the time using me as his guinea pig. I didn't, I didn't get anybody today. So I got this red rope here, right? No, I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to go all the way over here. And it didn't get tangled up. I don't know about y'all. I could fold an extension cord a thousand times. But it didn't get tangled up. So I'm going to leave that up there today. Don't choke on it. Don't get clotheslined when y'all come up to finish the service. But go with me here for a minute, right? Sometimes our deals don't come in this life. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that this, is, we're, this is not our home. We are strangers to this land. In fact, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Him. Keep our eyes fixed in the eternal, right? So many times we, 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 we stay in the, here in the present, in the natural. In fact, Habakkuk, if you read it, he talks about, God, where are you at? Look at all this injustice. And, and it's one of the greatest, it's a great exchange. In fact, Habakkuk, you know, where you have all these prophets, normally they would get a message from God and come speak to the people. But Habakkuk was a little reversed that he, he had a heart for the people, and so he went to God and said, what is going on here? Do you not see what is going on here? And I don't know if you guys have ever found yourself uh, sitting quietly in your vehicle or, or uh, maybe at your house, and you're by yourself, and you're like, God, do you not see what is going on here? I've been trying. I've been doing these things. I've been Habakkuk. Like, we, we, we need you. What are you doing? And it's a great exchange, kind of like the exchange in Job, right? Uh, he doesn't necessarily take him to the woodshed like he did Job, right? My favorite deal in that exchange is when he tells Job, do you know where the mountain goats give birth? Like, you don't even have a clue of what's going on. So Habakkuk, God answers him, and he says, Habakkuk, if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't even believe me. And so he did. He said, so he ended up raising the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk's like, what in the world? Those are even worse than your, your people are right now. Why are you going to raise them up and rebuke your people? But what, see, what, what Habakkuk probably knew, didn't recognize in his own situation is, I think it's in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel kind of laid out the next years of how God was going to really usher in the Roman government, which was going to be in power when Jesus came to this earth. But he said, first you're going to be under the Assyrians. And then guess what? The, the, the Assyrians are going to be wiped out by the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians by the Persians, and then by the Persians by, by uh, uh, the Romans. Right? Because we get so focused on... So, so this, this right here, if I could loop it around the church, I would. But So you just have to go with me. You have to be imagined. But this is eternity, right? So... So I don't know where this stands, but we're going to say, because I don't want to get off the stage, but this, this is it, right? This is, you know, and, it, and, and really if I uh, uh, took the oldest person in the room, I don't, I, don't, I don't know, I know we've got some in their 80s, maybe some in their 90s, but even that, like, it, it, you can't see it, but it's got black and white, like that is their life in the lens of eternity. And we get so focused on this black dot right here. And God says, no, 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 you've got, to keep, you've got to keep your eyes fixed on me. In fact, he tells Habakkuk, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to understand. But he says, this is what I need you to know is that the righteous, we've heard this before, the righteous will live by faith. Faith in what? 
that Jesus is what he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do. And I may not understand. I heard a, I heard a guy say it like this this week. He said, sometimes you have a hard time trusting what God's doing, like what his hands are doing. I found myself there. Like, God, I, Habakkuk found himself. God, do you not see what's going on? Do you not see me? I, I feel like I'm being tormented. All those things. Do you not see me? When you have a hard time trusting God's hands, you've got to have the knowledge enough to trust his heart. His heart is good. And, and see, if Habakkuk could have stood, you know, that's one of the things that I challenge you. You've got to get outside whatever you're going through. And it's hard sometimes. But this is eternity. Like, God knows what's going to happen, and so you may be going through a season here. We'll give it a little bit. Let's, let's say this is my lifespan, and so here's, what's, here's a good, right? This is, let's say I get 80 years, and I'm about to be 40, so I've already, whoo, there's a good, half of my life is over. Some of you, the majority of your life is over. What have you done with it for God? Have you focused on your, your situations and your circumstances, and you said, woe is me, uh, it doesn't matter, da, da, da. or have you, you know, God's given you life. God's given you purpose. You're alive today to do something for him, to promote him. To not say, oh, da, 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 I'm going to go and find these people. These people kind of very relate to me. Your job is to go and to preach the truth, to do the work. The same charge that Paul gave Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, as a believer, that is our job. No matter what you do, that is our job. No matter where you work, no matter where you go, if you are a believer, your job is to do the work of an evangelist. And he's used your life circumstances to help people. I was telling Connie this week, I think so many times, yes, we believe that Jesus healed it. We see all these testimonies in the Bible. We don't tell our own testimonies. We don't tell what God's doing. We don't tell our struggles. Man, I was struggling in this season when we're in that season. Now, we might share it afterward, the fact, with a few close friends. We don't share that. And so people today are like, okay, I know this. Is, they look at this as a history book and not a user manual because they don't think it still affects your life today. And we proclaim that it does. We don't testify. We don't do the work in evangelist. And so you find yourself right here. This little black dot is your life in the grand scheme of eternity. I heard it like this one time. God knows how many hairs are on your head? He knew you're, you were created in Christ Jesus for his good work, right? That's what he says, those of us that are believed. He knew if, if, if that really was the beginning before time, right, way down there, God knew you would be alive during 2021. He knew your circumstances. He knew what was going on. He knows what is going on. Guess what? He knows what's fixing to happen way over here that we don't know. And you can rest in that. If you've got anxiety... I've been really anxious these past few days. If you've got anxiety, God knows. I think he laughs at us sometimes. We get so worked up on things that really don't even matter. We don't have any control on anyway, but we do. We dwell, we dwell, we dwell. Instead of giving them to God and say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, God, but I, I'm going to live by faith because I know you're good. I know I can trust you. I know that. But look at eternity. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. But that is what our call to do is to look past it because here's, let me tell you what happened to, to Paul when he wrote that letter. He was trying to charge Timothy, right? My letter would probably look a lot different if I knew and if, you know, in a little while I fixed him beheaded. He, he was, I think Nero beheaded him just shortly after he wrote his last letter. Beheaded. Now what unbeliever would say, how can, why would you worship a God that that is good? Because he says he works all things out for the good. Right? How is that good? Because we don't live in this black dot. 
when his last breath, whatever that looked like when you get beheaded, you have to watch a show to watch that. I don't know. The guillotine. But he took it. He was excited. I, I long to get there. I am so messed up sometimes when you see those people in other countries, in China, in the Middle East, and you see these pictures of these guys with big swords and guns, and the, the believers are on their knees and they're smiling because they know it's about to get a lot better. I desire to have that faith. You know? If somebody came in this room and said, you know, just like they did at, at, at some shootings, hey, do you believe in Jesus? I want to be able to stand not just, yeah, I want to be able, yes, I do. Because this is not my home. I have to tell myself this all the time. This is not my home. We have to tell ourselves, the righteous will live by faith, and so no matter the circumstances, and that is how he says he can work all things out for the good. It may not be good in man's perspective, the natural perspective, but from an eternal perspective, I promise you it is good. You know, does that mean we shouldn't pray for healing? Does that mean we shouldn't pray for... No, absolutely not. But if it doesn't work out, even if it doesn't work out like you think it should, God is good and he gives us that perspective. And so you may be here today, you may be struggling with your faith. This whole church thing, I've been in and out of church, you know. This, this message today was for the church. Because if we're not careful, we get sucked away. He tells us that in Second Peter, that we want itching ears and, and we want somebody that will tell us what we want to hear and not give us the real truth. Here's the real truth. We just celebrated it, right? We just celebrated Easter. Christ died for you and me and for everybody. For everybody. The worst guy you can think of, he died. He died for Barabbas who was taken out of his place so Jesus could, you know, this, this nasty, vile Barabbas represents us. God took him out and in placed his son to die for you and for me. And it breaks my heart that there's some people that never hear that truth because the church isn't being, doing the work of an evangelist. Right? There's so many people that don't know their value, they don't know their worth, they, 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 the world is awful. The enemy has done a good job. The church has not done a good job. But we still have Christ backing. And that can all change in the matter of one person saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. But Jesus took Barabbas' place, which represented us. And he died on a cross because the wages of sin is death. That is truth. You tell people that. You've earned death because of your lying, your cheating, your stealing, whatever it is that you've done. Somebody tells you they never sinned, then they lied to you. So now they've sinned. So you're there, right? He took our place and he died. And there was an exchange. When you believe in Jesus, there is an exchange. And, and I don't even understand, you can't even comprehend it because. It's like even when somebody blesses you here, sometimes we have a hard time receiving that blessing because you always think there's bad motives. wonder what they're wanting. wonder why they did that. Christ did it because he loves you. God says, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? You know it. That those that believe in him wouldn't die. Well, 
Paul died. Did he? Faith comes in. That's where faith is unleashed and unlocked, that, that we have faith. You know, it's a lot to wrap your mind around. I remember as a kid, I used to struggle so much, like, okay, my parents were good. They brought me to church. I, I heard that truth, but I didn't necessarily receive that truth all the time. I used to think, okay, what if this is it? And when you die, you die. Not just for a hundred years, not just for a thousand years, not just for a millennium. See it. Some of you need to wrap your mind around that. Right? We don't look death in the eye. We don't have to fear death. In fact, what Jesus did, we celebrated last week, the only thing the enemy has over you is fear. Fear of death. And as a new creation, when you believe in Christ, death is, where's your sting? It doesn't have any sting on you. That can creep up in there, right? Uh, But that's where you have to supplement that faith. And it elevates you and you start doing things. But that's what we celebrated last week. That Jesus died for you. But the most awesome thing, plenty of people in this world have died. Plenty of people claiming to be a God, maybe even the God, have died. There's only been one. I heard it said like this, Jesus died to prove a lot of things, right? To die for our sins, pay the price for that, but prove that he was man. God raised him from life to prove that he was God. That's who we serve. And we're walking around like a defeated bunch, like like we really are eternal with God. Those of us that believe and receive and pursue and supplement our faith so we don't have all these problems. And so maybe you're there today and you've listened to all of that. You know, you know, you could have quoted John 3.16. You could have quoted some of these life verses, but you've never, you've never taken that first faith. You've never stepped out towards that. Today is your day. That is it. Childlike faith. 2020, kids have 2020 vision. God is who, who he says he is. They'll tell you that. God says he can do this, he can do it. They don't doubt it. You know? I've told you that I had a son, I have a son, that would take a staff and stick it in the river at the Kasatot trying to part the Red Sea because his God can part the Red Sea. And he'd get frustrated. I'm talking about crying. God, why didn't he do it? I said, I don't know. Wasn't his time. So, but you still got to trust him, right? It's the same God that tells us as the church that we can lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. And we all will pray for you. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. We've got to activate that faith. We've got to supplement that faith with all those things that Peter talked about. We've got to do the work of an evangelist. But you can't do any of that if you don't truly believe it. And so maybe you're in this room, you've walked the walk, you've talked the talk, there's been high points and there's been low points, but today you find yourself down in the valley. This message is for you. Put on the glasses, or better yet, go see Jesus and let him be the best optometrist there is and he will give you clear vision of what the truth is and you latch on to it you hold on to it no matter what's going on in the world because it's hard sometimes because the world looks like it, it goes counter to what God is saying Jesus says you wait I don't operate on this timeline in fact I stand back here I've been to the end of time and back he's the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he knows what's going to happen 
Don't you want to trust a guy that knows what's going to happen? Or are you just going to trust a guy that, that, that's in his feelings or in his emotions? And, and, and No, we can trust God. He is good. He is faithful. He's been the same yesterday, today, and he will be forevermore. We don't have to worry about that. He doesn't have mood swings. He doesn't have character changes. He is a man of integrity that we can put our faith and trust in if you choose to do so. Because unfortunately, Jesus paid that price that we celebrated last week. He died on the cross, and he's put that gift. I love Miss Sally teach, taught it like this to the Mary Martha kids one time. It's like a present. He's got a present for everyone. It's a free gift, right? But you've got to take it. It's here. It's got your name on it. But so many people say, ah, I don't think I need it. It's already been paid for. You don't even have to, like, no strings attached. Come and get it. But so many people reject it, right? Which is crazy in the world today. You go pop up a, a career fair. My wife, a little, little tidbit on my wife when we were in college, or even now, I'm sure she would still do it, but they'd have career fairs. She already had a job lined up. So what are you doing? They got good pens. I'm going to go get some pens. <laughs> She will still, she would take, they're out there to get, but she will come home. We had this junk drawer full of just uh, squeeze balls and all those weird things that they give you, right? Little notepads. Right, it's a free gift. Why don't you take it? Because the truth is, if you don't take it, this is what I don't understand, if you don't take it, and right, he told him that, that Paul just told Timothy that, that Jesus Christ, who, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and the only thing that matters is Jesus. Do you know him? Not just here, in here. Do you have faith in him? Right? I heard it said like this. I, keep, I, I, I think I have to keep going because somebody needs to get this. You've been bogged down with so much junk that you don't really know what the truth is. This is the truth. But if all of a sudden somebody was to came and to arrest you this week, they took you to an isolation deal, they pulled you before a jury of your peers, would there be enough evidence about you to prove that you were a Christ follower? Because coming to church ain't that evidence, let me just tell you. There's plenty of people that come to church, okay? Doing good things isn't necessarily... There's people that have... There's some fine people that are lost as a goose that do good things. Would there be enough evidence to prove that you were a Christ follower? That really resonated with me. There's, there's going to be pastors and teachers that don't know Jesus. Blows my mind how you can read the Word and not ever put your faith in trust. You don't have to be that person. It's very simple. Very simple. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And be tired. Realize you need a Savior. And when you realize you need a Savior, because you can't do it on your own. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many good things you have. If, if your name isn't covered in the blood of Jesus, it, ain't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You've got to have Jesus. And so when you get to that point that you're like, I need Jesus, there's a word repent, right? It says turn from your ways. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it means I was headed this direction, now I'm heading this direction, and I'm going to start supplementing my faith with these things, and all of a sudden I'm not necessarily where I want to be, but I sure ain't where I used to be. And we develop that faith. We are all going to die. 
Bible tells us that because it's true. It's been appointed unto man a time to die. It's been one of my, been, I've used that verse in a long time when it came to dealing with the coronavirus, right? God forbid I don't want to die of anything, right? In fact, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm still alive when he comes back, the clouds roll back, but if I do, right? There's nothing I can do to change it. You know, I had those conversations. People used to get freaked out when we go to Ethiopia. Are you serious? You're taking your kids? What kind of father are you? I want them to know that Jesus is real. And what he calls us to do is what he's calls us to do. Well, aren't you afraid of flying? I, I mean, if I think about it, I mean, the science of it still messes me up a little bit, right? This multi-ton flying in the air, right? It don't matter if it's your point of end of time to die. It doesn't matter if you're on your way to Ethiopia. It doesn't matter if you're on your way to Walmart. It doesn't matter if you're 90 years old. If you're, Unfortunately, if you're three years old. I don't understand that part of it. But it's been appointed unto man a time to die. So I can't change it. So I just got to do what God's called me to do until he calls me home. That is how we have to live. And then you don't have to have all the anxiety. Oh, what if I do? Because oh, people get worked up. I'm telling you, it was, it was sad to me. You don't have to be afraid because fear doesn't have anything over you. Because if you are found in Christ Jesus, you, you live forever with Jesus. So maybe that's you today. So I'm going to pray for you all today. I'm praying that this would increase your faith today. That some of you are like, hey, that was a good thing. Those supplement. I'm going to start supplementing my faith. I'm going I'm to get me a little Nutri-Blender and I'm going to start putting this stuff in there. And I'm going to start drinking it every day and I'm going to increase it. Like That is what church is about. You come here, you leave here differently. Hopefully encouraged, equipped, ready to tell your co-worker that's struggling with their faith or denounce their faith. To talk to your kid who may not have faith at all, right? They've been living in your household for X number of years, but uh, if they got arrested today, there's probably not very much evidence of Christ in them, even though, you know, we go to church. It's not about going to church. Should you go to church? Yeah, I think you should. Christ says don't forsake the assembly. That's truth, right? Why? Because iron sharpens iron. You get stuck in your own family unit sometimes you start lying to each other you don't give each other truth right somebody wrongs you well you, you go to find your best friend because they're going to side on your side go talk to a principal who who has a different perspective on it like well you know actually what you did probably wasn't the best you kind of you kind of brought it out in them right they give you truth now whether you receive that or not that's that's that is the whole game so many people will deny the truth but as believers we got to stop denying it we got to receive it and we got to we got to do the work in the evangelism. We've got to share it.